0: sports fans around the world. The wait is over. Yes, it is. We are back. Welcome to Run Point. I am Rob the Hispanic from the Atlantic. Over there we have Aaron. Aaron, good evening, sir. What's up, Rob? Views from the Bay.
1: How are you, my
0: friend? Oh, it's uh, another muggy, humid evening here on the East Coast, but, you know, the sky is still blue. What can you expect?
1: Yeah, man. You still smell champagne out here, bro. Celebration <laughs> mode.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, got a speaking, of celebration, speaking of celebration mode, uh, what do you say we get right into it and start off with a little bit of basketball talk? Um, good old Carmelo, as you like to call him, the cancer, Anthony, uh, is apparently finding a new home. Where is that home? The Houston Rockets. Initial thoughts.
1: Uh, I plead the fifth. No, <laughs> <I'd
0: say laughs> You can't that. do that. Come on.
1: <laughs> now, see, see I, I'm a fan of Hoodie Summer Mellow, who gets buckets. Um, and so right now, like, Hoodie Mellow is doing the thing. And so, um, you know, right now it looks real good. I mean, because they plan to get some scrubs out of running shoes. Um, some dudes who probably, you know, average about fifteen two and two at the running shoot uh, out there in Houston. So you know,
0: everybody's like, uh oh,
1: watch out, Warriors. Um, and then they're gonna play the Warriors, and then they're gonna play Boston, and then they're gonna play real teams. And uh, you know, Melo's gonna get mad, and it's gonna be a whole debacle. You got now you got three ISO players on the team, um, and I just don't think it's a good look. It's not a good look for the locker room. It was, you know, what they had, and replacing, uh, you know, the guys that they lost in Ariza. You don't take a three and D guy and then replace him with Melo, who uh, can't play D and can't really shoot the three. So, um, you know, I hey, best of luck to him. Uh, the West has gotten that much easier uh, for the two-time back-to-back defending champions, Golden State Warriors.
0: The only thing that stood out to me in your wonderful analysis there is the number three, three ISO players. I don't know how well this is going to work in Houston, uh, but if you're going to be playing alongside Chris Paul and James Harden, uh, you're not going to have the ball in your hands very much. Uh, In order to be successful, I feel like the number three option on that team has got to move really, really well and really, really often, and really, really efficiently without the ball. And I just don't think that's a good scheme for Carmelo Anthony. I also don't think that he's going to be able to defer very often. It's going to, it's going to be a very, very isolated offense. Um, I don't think he's going to be any more successful than he was in Oklahoma City, and perhaps less this upcoming season. Um, but do, do you happen to, do you happen to have any, uh, any details on the, on the numbers of this, uh, this uh, contract? How much is he getting paid? Mellow is
1: getting, I have no clue because I don't think he's actually signed a contract and they're still in this, uh, this negotiation stage, but you know, Mellow command, he's probably going to at least get about 70 to eighties. I would be surprised if he gets anything less. Um, you know, I I, you know, I just can't see, you know, him taking less. Um, and, I, you know, I honestly think if the Rockets don't take him, I don't know who's going to take him, you know, kind of at that point. So, um, you know, I, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, if, like, OKC passes on him, like, kind of that should tell you something. You know, like. Why are they
0: going all in on mellow? That I don't have you know, I don't know. So I have uh I have some uh, some figures here. Via the ultra reliable bleacher report. Uh he's gonna he's gonna be signing a two point four million dollar contract. That's it. Only two point four. He's he's given he's giving Houston the, the boogie discount. The boogie discount. Yeah.
1: Well, no, that's the uh, you know the thing is is that boogie could have got a little bit more, but uh you know Mello ain't getting he ain't getting that much. He ain't even giving the boogie discount. He getting his uh, current market value right now because there is no market for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah,
0: and, and, and I I agree a hundred percent. If if not Houston, who else? I mean he he's definitely at the stage of his career where he's just floating around trying to find a championship. Um, no, I'm, I'm sure there were their uh, championship aspirations in OKC, which fell flat. Um, no, Houston is is probably the, the, or at least initially was the the next next best place. Um, I just I just really don't see him playing well with Harden and Chris Paul. I I, I see a lot of issues there. I see them butting heads quite a bit. Uh, I, I just. I don't think that he plays nice very well with others. I really don't. And in the Mike D'Antoni system, and with with those two guards, I I think it's a it's a recipe for disaster. But I don't think he had very many options. And for Houston, I mean, talk about low risk. This is about as low risk as it gets. I'm signing him for under three million dollars, and they they have a void at small forward after losing Trevor Ariza. Uh, I with that team with that makeup. Uh, or even two, three years ago, I, I, I'd probably take a reason over Carmelo, which is saying a lot. What do you think? You think you think they're better off with Mello or better off with a reason?
1: They were better off with a reason solely because he, you know, a reason gives them more. He's a solid defensive threat when Mello isn't, and that's what you're going to need. You don't need buckets. Um, I mean, and Melo's, you know, at this point in his career, he's, you know, he's kind of a cancer. Um, and so, i you know, I would have stuck with Ariza. He's a team player kind of guy. Melo's an all-me kind of guy. Hey, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not doing this. I'm still a starter. I'm still doing this. It was like, nah, bro, uh, it's time. Like, mm-mm.
0: You know, and here's another thing. In the In the West, in the West, You really have to have to guard the the perimeter, and you really have to guard these these uh, super flexible three and four position players. So you you got you know pretty much that whole Golden State Warriors team, which they're all a bunch of small forwards basically. Uh, You you know you got got LeBron in L.A. Uh, It's (laughs) you can't rely on his defense because he has no defense and. Guarding that number three in the Western Conference is a very, very important position on any title contending team. So Houston's going to be at a huge, a huge void. They're going to be at a, a tremendous deficit when they go out there and they have to match up against the best teams in the West and they just don't have good premier defense from, from the three, four positions. He, he's, he's the definition of a defensive liability and my, if if it wasn't such a low risk signing, you know I I'd, I'd be really really upset with this. But even though I think it's not a good fit, you know, what do you got to lose, Houston? What do you got to lose? You, you got to start replacing these pieces that you're losing. You have to try and keep up in the West. You got to do something. Uh, I guess you could do a little bit worse than signing Carmelo Anthony.
1: I mean, well, so what what, 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 are, what are that what are the
0: options? I mean, we, you know, we we talked about the free agents last week. They're there aren't really that many viable options out there. Right? He wasn't a free agent technically last week when we did uh, the latest episode of Run the Point, but, you know, there just there just aren't options out there. there you can't really remain competitive this upcoming season. You can't really build a championship-caliber team because the options are so slim, and Golden State probably had one of the best offseason signings with the steal of Boogie Cousins. And, you know, I, so my thing with
1: the whole Melo thing is is the there is no true reward for signing Melo because you're not – like, he's not going to do anything to contribute to this team. It's all risk in the fact of, like, this could just blow up the chemistry within the organization and within the team. You know, there's reports of, like, players already. Part of the reason why Trevor reads the left is because of the special treatment that – um you know, Harden and CP3 got. Um, And so, you know, that to me kind of, you know, goes to show that it's like, okay, now you're adding, you know, a third player into the mix um, when, you know, there's already, you know, supposedly, um, you know, issues with that. And so that whole organization is just, you know, they had a shot, they had the, you know, they had a, a shooter's chance against Golden State, um, and so you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know, I think this team is, you know, kind of just imploding, you know, after one failed year, and it's just like, man, y'all, you know, we're on the up-and-up, and we're maybe like a couple of pieces away from truly competing, um, and I think, too, like I keep saying, you know, the, the team to watch out for that, you know, can compete, um, you know, with the Doves is going to be Boston next year. If that team just comes back healthy with them resigning smart, you know, Hayward coming back off an injury, if Kyrie can stay healthy and injury-free, um, that is a scary team. I truly think that's you know, that is a team that just as constructed can and will give um, the Dubs problems even with Boogie um, on the floor. So, uh, you know, it's just like you're saying, with being able to switch, you know, at every point, at every person, um, you know, being able to switch and guard the perimeter and do that. Like, you know, that's the team that's constructed to do that uh, on a night in and night out basis, and they can lock down uh, defensively. And they got Brad Stevens out there um, who knows the thing or two. Um, and so that, you know, that to me is kind of the team to watch. They got the young legs. Um, they got some experience, Game 7 experience, uh, you know, this year. So, Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, it's a team that's, that's got there. You get Tyree back, he's got finals experience. Obviously, he's the big shot to win, um, you know, championship for Cleveland. So, um, you know, they're battle-tested and they're ready. So, that's the team to me to watch out for, um, you know, to compete with Golden State.
0: Bro, can we go one episode without you expressing your overwhelming love and infatuation with the Boston Celtics? Man, I, it's, it's you know I've been I've
1: been reading up. <laughs> I was on on you know I was I was on it all day looking at you know just trying to you know trying to see what my Pat's doing. So I was just in this Boston mindset and it was like, oh okay. <laughs> hey, oh, you, man.
0: Know,
1: I, you know this is. It's a whole thing, man. I don't know, man. Hey, it's something about that city.
0: So I I wasn't aware. You know, sometimes I forget just how long players like Melo and LeBron and D-Wade have been in the league. Melo's going into his 17th NBA season. 17. So he's got a lot of wear and tear on those tires. Um, a couple more things that I want to point out, though, is I was mentioning how I don't see him being successful uh, moving without the ball throughout the, the course of a, of a game, you know, however many minutes he's going he's gonna to be playing. Uh, I, I, I definitely see him starting, especially with the void of Ariza. Uh, but also if you're going to be playing with, with Harden and CP, uh, you got to be a pretty good spot-up shooter. And just, just a little bit of reference uh, using – That's on ESPN.com here. His last four seasons, he's sitting at 34.1, 33.9, 35.9, and 35.7% from three-point land. Uh, But you know, I, I also want to get into the fact that Carmelo, you know, when he's on his game, he's he's a pretty physical player, and one thing that he brings to the to the table, you know, once again, when he feels like it. Is a pretty decent low post presence from a from a three from a three player. Uh, so one way that I see this working the most for Houston is if perhaps Melo isn't the guy that's going to be playing a swingman type role, coming off the screens, moving without the ball, spot up shooter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Maybe D'Antoni's gonna put him down the block a little bit. Maybe he's gonna get physical and you know, and and bang in the paint with, with some of the smaller some of the smaller threes or even some of the smaller fours. Uh can you see a D'Antoni system with Carmelo maybe playing a little bit big throughout the game? maybe maybe he maybe he plays more of the four. Maybe they go a little little more small ball than usual. Uh you see that being a successful uh, offensive fit if, if Melo is you know, more or less, primarily a a a post and box player, more so than a perimeter guy. I, I don't think
1: I can't see him down in the post banging like that. I mean, that's just I don't know. I I think Melo is more of a a mid range um, kind of guy. I think that's where he probably should, um, you know, live out the rest of his career is in the mid range. Um, and on the perimeter, um, more of a pick-and-pop kind of a dude and not necessarily a uh, iso let him work or, you know, kind of, you know, get-into-the-basket kind of a deal. Um, so I think more so mid-range, more so pick-and-pop. Um, you know, I think he could probably go another, you know, four to five years if he took a bench role uh, and cut down on the minutes. But again, you know, Hoodie Mello thinks he's, got 38 minutes in them and can give you, you know, 28, eight and eight. You know, those
0: days are done. 28, eight and eight. If, if he if he averages 28, eight and eight, the next time the Saints and Patriots play, regardless of regardless of where they play, man, I I got you. You just meet me in whatever city it is New Orleans or Foxboro and tickets on me, bro. If he goes 28, eight and eight, you're in here first. There's, there's no way. Yeah, I get him for
1: that on uh two k but that's about it uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. but i uh, you know I was with my last point, I was just trying to think of a way where I can see this this working out, and it's the whole pick and pop mellow i just I don't see that as a viable option this year with this Houston team at this stage of his career in the western conference, so you know i'm I'm a little intrigued to see how how Dan Tony fits him into his offensive system. I'm a little bit intrigued to see. Also, how Mello can kind of, you know, reshape and redefine himself in the twilight of his career. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but you know, under three mil, very very small commitment financially on the part of the Houston Rockets. Now, I'm sure a lot of you saw the lack of hustle by the catcher of. My beloved New York Yankees. Just want to get a couple things out of the way before we move on to good old Tiger Woods talk. It's always nice to have a little Tiger Woods talk. Uh, Gary Sanchez, you, you, you saw you saw the highlights, uh, and initially the whole sports world was 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 going in saying, oh this this guy didn't hustle. Uh, you know he cost the Yankees the game. Uh, you know he's got a reputation for being lazy, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turned out that he uh, aggravated a groin injury and now he's been placed on the DL. But do you, do you buy that? Do you, do you think you think it was just lack of hustle? Do you think he was exhibiting his his reputation of being a somewhat lazy player or do you think it was a, it was that old groin injury acting up? Well, what what are your thoughts on that? Me personally,
1: I think it's him being lazy. So in my personal opinion, I think the quote-unquote growing injury um, is the excuse, is the cover-up, is the, um, you know, kind of the punishment of hey, we're just going to say you're hurt and injured rather than fine you um, or do this. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, I... You look at it, I mean, I don't really see... He doesn't look like he's hurt. He doesn't look... I mean... I I don't know how bad his growing injury is, so I can't really speculate. Um, I've seen players, you know, with hamstrings and growings and still put forth a little bit more effort. And you can obviously, you know, the pain, the grimace. Um, but it's one of those things of kind of like, I know, you know, this means a lot. So let me push through, hustle through this. Um and then, you know, get this, you know, maybe get this first down, and then they pull me out the game and I can, you know, I can do it. But I got to go get this first down, you know, because I'm, you know, Tom Brady. I'm Drew Brees. I'm, you know, whoever, Emmitt Smith. Um, I'm going to go make this play for my team, get us there. Then, hey, you guys, you know, that's usually the rallying call of kind of like, all right, cool. Like, when was it? Who was it? Was it Steve McNair or Donovan McNabb or whoever was like, leading the the team down the field, and literally they carried him down the field, like the offensive lineman, like, after every play because he was, you know, hurt that bad of, you know, well we got the 25-yard completion. Like, we'll just pick you up and carry you. Um, so, you ain't got to try and run on the gimp leg, like, save your energy. Like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm used to guys seeing. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe baseball players are built, you know, a bit differently. Um, so, I, that's why my thing. you know, I think he was just being lazy.
0: Uh, I think that happened with with both of those uh, quarterbacks he mentioned. I think it also happened with a name I'm going to throw out there. Who uh, many people may have forgotten? David Garrard. I, I had this had this memory of David Garrard being carried down the field. And, and, am I wrong? Just, does does that does that bring some some flashbacks? Do you remember David Garrard being carried by his lineman at some point?
1: You know, that name sounds super
0: familiar. I would, you know, I don't know,
1: but I will have to do my Googles and look it up.
0: Quarterback, the uh, the Jaguars. Um, so, I'm I'm a I'm a huge Yankee fan. Uh, I live in New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Um, I have been a little disappointed in Gary Sanchez's uh, attitude and and effort and his demeanor and his sportsmanship and so forth and so on. Uh, He did get into an argument with the Yankee starter Luis Severino in the dugout uh, in regards to this, but there weren't one, but two instances of lack of hustle. One was on a pass ball in which he did not hustle. And the Tampa Bay Rays player scored all the way from second base. And then the the second instance is when the bases were loaded and he didn't try and, and hustle and beat out a ground ball. Uh, with the bases loaded in the ninth inning, and who knows if he would have been safe, but if he would have been running hard out of the box, there's a chance. Game would have been tied. Who knows what would have happened? So those are two runs that his lack of hustle were directly responsible for, and the Yankees lost by one. I'd be so upset if the Red Sox win this division by one game come the end of the season. Uh, But when you're talking about groin injuries and the position of catcher, if it was really an issue throughout the game, uh, the, the, the Yankees should, should, have, should have taken him out. Uh, I don't know if, if it was something that he himself was hiding. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that it was some sort of punishment or, or, or cover-up. Uh, the, the Yankees don't typically do those types of things. And, and baseball, regardless of the stigma of uh, baseball players and what the stigma may or may not be about their quote-unquote toughness, uh, I, don't, I don't see that being, in fact, that some sort of a cover-up. Uh, but if you're hurt, you shouldn't be out there. I mean, he, he definitely cost the Yankees the game. Um, but I also want to point out something that was somewhat comical to me that perhaps a lot of you out there didn't quite catch. The story that came out today where uh, the the timing was impeccable. Um, MLB was forced, not forced, MLB teams were were asked to uh, announce the heart and hustle award members from their teams. Uh, then at the end of the year there'll be one heart and hustle award member of all of MLB, I believe. And the Yankees heart and hustle award today, the day after said game was their backup catcher Austin Roman. You, you can't you can't write it any better than that in Hollywood, man. Did, did you happen to catch that that uh that bit of news, the heart and hustle award going to the Yankees backup catcher? That I did not, but that's actually pretty funny. Sucks to be I uh, think I think that's all the punishment situation. that's all a punishment he needs.
1: <laughs> that's classic. And so to the your hard and hustle Gerard, awards uh, Gerard it was not him, it was actually Byron
0: Lefwich. Uh Ah yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, I do yep, that's that's right, that's right. The
1: other Jaguar um Fan, which you know I would love to ask the new Jaguar fans if they know who either of those quarterbacks are and if they can name any of the colleges that they attended. Um, so I you know it's just you know my two cents when it comes to Jaguar fans but you know
0: Duval, right? <laughs> Duval Um uh, yeah, I, I could I would be remiss as my role as the co host of Run the Point if I didn't drop that gem of the Yankees' heart and hustle award going to their backup catcher Austin Romine a day after Gary Sanchez's lack of hustle, perhaps not heart, more or less, cost him the game. Uh, but also want to get into a, a little bit of discussion with you. Uh, I think this will be this will be a fun topic. Uh, baseball players, and I played when I was younger. Uh, I'm also a, a physical therapist, so I, I know a thing or two about. Uh, Sports rehab, um, baseball players. Just just to throw a, you know just a random example out there, when they sprain their ankle, they seem to miss like three months. When an NFL player sprains his ankle, they they miss about three plays. Did, did, is this something that you picked up on in your your years and years and years of being a devoted sports fan? Um, just just how lengthy these recovery periods seem to be for baseball players in regards to injuries in which that of a similar nature doesn't affect football or basketball players nearly as much. Is, is that something that's kind of caught your eye over the years?
1: Uh, completely, because you look at a uh, prime example, I believe it was Clay Thompson that hurt his ankle um, in the NBA Finals and was still able to manage and come out and play and uh you know still be affected. Same thing with the NFL. Um you know those guys can, you know, pretty much play injured after, you know, probably September on everyone's dinged up, everyone's got something that, you know, is tweaked or something. And it's kind of like you know, like you know, Mr Sanchez here, um who seemingly was hurt, who kind of ran halfway down, and then when he realized, oh, crap, I really need to hustle, like, was able to suddenly pick up and have a sudden burst of energy, which, again, to me, makes me believe that he wasn't truly hurt. Um, But, again, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you know, their stuff just drags on and on, and it's like, oh, and maybe because it's baseball season is like seven months, and, you know, they play so many games so they can just afford to kind of – linger and not really rush back and, you know, truly wait till everything feels better. But, you know, again, to me, that's where it's just kind of like, eh, you know, if you can really take that much time off, are you really truly like playing a sport or, you know, considered an athlete to where it's kind of like, okay, dude, like take Steph only about a month to come back for a sprained ankle and you're out, uh, you know, till the all-star break. And it's just April. Like,
0: (laughs) so so I, I don't i 'm going to give you a pass for saying or even uh suggesting that baseball players aren't real athletes we're We're not going to touch that uh for the time being um, but but you you pretty much made my point for me uh What it comes down to for me is not necessarily the the injury or severity of it when you 're comparing across uh, different sports but but the length of time uh, of of the recovery process uh, because and in, in rehab you know with physical therapists and athletic trainers uh you know you you can you can get the the best treatment you know the best care um speed up the the rehabilitation speed up that recovery process but at at the end of the day you have to consider the fact that the human body takes a certain amount of time to heal so uh the fact that it is a 162 game season and they're seemingly playing every single day with you know maybe one day off every couple of weeks uh it, that's that's kind of what it comes down to, so I think it kind of uh creates this, this illusion that uh, perhaps the you know these baseball players are taking a little bit more time with these injuries uh but the length of the season is the primary factor in in my eyes uh but yeah, just wanted, wanted to touch on that real quick um but now I would like to give you the floor for as long as you want to talk about Tiger Woods, please take it away.
1: All I got to say, man, is I will say this. So my weekend, I had, you know, some plans, and they all got ruined come Saturday because Saturday morning, you know, I woke up, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, British Open's on. All right, cool. You know, I woke up 6 a.m. Um, and I was like, all right, I got time before I got to go get my little morning workout. What's on? So I throw on British Open and just kind of watching. And I was like, oh, okay. Just so happens, my man Tiger's out there. Now I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. Um, you know, he's probably one of the reasons of why I watch golf um, and why you know I started to play golf um, and kind of took up you know some sort of interest in it. So for me, seeing this, and I was kind of like, all right, he's back, you know. And you know, it goes out. Saturday, and it's kind of like, okay, okay, shoots a 67. and I was like, damn, all right, he's in contention. He's like two strokes back, you know. You got my man, George Spieth, kind of like the heir to the throne, sitting up top, and it's like, you know, this is what we all been waiting for. Sunday, Tiger, two shots back, Spies in the lead, you know, all these young guys, you know, basically aren't afraid of him. But, you know, they've also never been in a position to where it's like you look up on the leaderboard and you just kind of see Tiger Woods sitting two strokes back and you're just kind of like, oh, shit, you know. And, you know, it was also, hey, Tiger has never won a major without being tied for the lead going into the final round. So that was also on the line of, like, this could be his first comeback. And, you know, it was like his, his first major since truly being back so. Sunday morning, it was like okay, come out in the Sunday red, that's his thing, you know. And it's like, man, like okay, cool. He about one stroke back. Oh shit, Tiger in the lead. And then that motherfucker started hitting people with golf balls. Started playing like me, basically, um, you know, <laughs> shooting, hitting from the other other greens. It was like, God damn, Tiger, shit, man, come on, get it together, brother. <laughs> But you know it was a sight to see, and you know I was glad that you know we all had that moment. Um, this was the this British Open was actually the most watched British Open since 2006. And Rob, if you had to guess who won the British Open in 2006, who won?
0: I I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't guess Tiger Woods.
1: Oh, man, there you go. Tiger Woods won in 2006, man. So, (laughs) you know, for me, it was just reliving that, man. It was kind of like, all right, cool, 12 years later, you know. Um, And with Tiger being, you know, back, this makes golf more interesting uh, for the casual fan like myself. Um, You know, and I just think it makes golf – he's the most polarizing, you know, person – in golf, he's one of the top, you know, five polarizing people, um, you know, within the world who, you know, you can go you can go anywhere and probably pretty much walk on any golf course and people going to know who the hell it is. And uh, so, you know, one of those few people who can walk in a room and, you know, everyone kind of be like, oh, shit, that's Tiger Woods um, <laughs> kind of a deal. So regardless, without you being a fan, you know – brand, you can see, you know, you see someone walking with a TW Nike hat and kind of like, oh, sure, that's a Tiger Woods hat. Um, you know, whereas if you would see Jordan Spieth's logo on Under Armour, you'd probably have no clue who the hell it is. Um, so I think overall, you know, it's a great thing for the sport of golf. Um, it's a great thing just for the golfing community and just a great thing for the casual sports fan. Um, you know, it'd be nothing like a Sunday morning, you know, watching... Tiger compete on the last, you know, two to three holes if you've never watched it, but you just want to watch the finish kind of like, shit, I'll tune into that. Um, you know, it's captivating and it's fun, uh, and it just makes the game that much more entertaining, so shouts out to Tiger. Uh, you know, he wound up finishing tight for six. Um, he actually still beat Jordan Spieth, so that's a good thing, um, but also shout out to the Italian, who was the first Italian to win a British champion, so congrats to him.
0: And I'm starting to believe this whole Atlanta Braves Wakanda thing is real because you must be stealing my notes <laughs> over there because you, you you took the words right out of my mouth. The The main point I was going to make is how polarizing Tiger Woods has been throughout his career. And, you know, with that said, just as good – I'm sorry, with, with, with that said, just how good Tiger Woods is for the sport of golf and how good his, his success is for the sport of golf. I mean, <clears throat> I equate it to – uh, you know Ken Griffey Jr and, uh, and the and the the home run battles of uh Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in baseball you know, I'll equate it to you know, Magic and Bird in basketball I mean when you have uh, the, these these players or these groups of players who just just bring the casual fan aboard and just capture your attention and you know you just you just have to root for 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 the good guys you know not not you know not getting into uh Tiger Woods personal issues uh it just at one point, he he was I believe he was the highest paid player in all of sports, and he was just incredibly successful, and he could just do no wrong. Uh, and you know all those things are the epitome of polarizing. So yeah, Tiger Woods being successful is great for the sport of golf. I think it's great for sports in general. Um and he is one of the the all time great athletes in any sport throughout our lifetime throughout history. so seeing him healthy, seeing him playing well uh is is refreshing uh and hey i hope hope that it continues and golf is a sport where you know you can play w- well into you know 50s, 60s, sixties seventies uh you know so if he's if he's healthy, he's got some gas left in the tank, he can keep chasing that that major's record uh, and, and see you know see if he can be the greatest of all time when he decides to hang up those those golf shoes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I completely but, uh, agree.
1: And, you know, I, so one of my things, too, that I kind of want to, you know, finish. So, like you were saying, Tiger is like when they say, you know, the NBA is better when the Lakers are there. The NBA, you know, the NFL is better when the Cowboys are doing good. Uh, you know, the MLB is better when the Yankees are winning things like that. And so kind of with golf, I mean, you you think about it, he got like the Madden treatment of like when they were releasing, you know, golf video games for EA sports, it wasn't PGA tour. It was Tiger Woods golf. Like (laughs) that was it. That's what, you know, so there was no, um, you know, he kind of got that Madden treatment, um, he kinda of put that out there on the map. So, you know, definitely like I said, shout out to Tiger. Um glad to see him kind of come back and you know, from all the injuries and all the craziness he's had in his whole personal life. And uh, you know, hopefully yeah, he can at least win. I want to see him win one more. You know, I just want to see him win one more major. Um, you know, where it be the US Open, British Open, Masters. Um wanna see him win one more and then I'll be like, all, right, all right, cool, he got it. He's the GOAT, regardless if he breaks the record or not. But, um, you know, if he wins one more after all of this, then definitely in my
0: eyes he's a, he's probably one of the best to ever do it. So Jack Nicklaus has 18 major wins. Tiger Woods is second with 14. So four to tie, five to take the lead. You can play golf well until you're uh, – Later years, so okay. Uh, let's, let's, let's start with one. Let's, let's start with, with uh, Tiger Woods winning one more major, and then I think we can start getting back into the discussion of him chasing the, the uh, all-time great Jack Nicklaus. Uh, but funny you mentioned the Madden treatment and the whole video game thing because as polarizing figures go, I, I referenced Ken Griffey Jr., and Griffey himself had a uh, baseball video game back in the day. Did, did, did you play that when you were a kid?
1: I actually did. I did play. On the old Sega.
0: The old Sega. Uh I got a little bit of news while we were discussing Tiger Woods. The uh Yankees have traded for the Baltimore Orioles closer, Zach Britton. Many believed, including myself as a Yankee fan, that the Yankees were gonna start going after some uh some starting rotation depth and add a veteran left handed starting pitcher. Uh, but then reports kind of shifted to them just adding quality pitching in general, whether it be their starting rotation or the bullpen. So the Orioles continue their, their dumpster fire of a roster after uh, trading Manny Machado, to the Dodgers and Zach Britton, their closer is now a member of the New York Yankees. And just as the Eagles added to the strength of their team, the defensive line in the offseason, the Yankees add to the strength of theirs, the bullpen. So, that will be a quality addition for the New York Yankees going forward. Some some people got paid recently, Aaron. Some people got paid. They Let's hear the bag. They secured the money bag uh, Todd Gurley. Let me pull up his uh contract details. If you don't mind, Todd Gurley. So we have a four-year, sixty million dollar contract extension, which is an incredible 30. deal for a running back. Go ahead. G- g- yep. Give us give us your thoughts on this on this deal of Todd Gurley's. This trend-setting deal for a running back. So
1: 60 million with 45 and guaranteed money, that is a hell of a deal. And Mr. Gurley did it right. Hey, secure that bag early. Cuz you don't want to get that Lady on Bell uh treatment. So, you know, hey, shout out to him. I for me, this is one of the biggest things that I have an issue with within the NFL, um is, is that these guys get screwed on their contracts. When I mean, you look at all the guaranteed money all these other guys get, and these dudes are literally out here killing themselves, and the NFL makes the most money out of all these leagues. Now I get it. I mean, I get it in rosters. They got 53 men compared to 12 and all these other rosters. So, but I'm just glad to see that, you know, this Mr. Gurley getting his money, 45 million guaranteed is crazy, and he's deserving of every penny. Um because that Rams offense would not be the same without him, um, and so hey, get that money, uh, secure the bag, hey, just uh, you know, slide me a little little something something over here, Mister Gurley, because uh, I picked you <laughs> up in fantasy, and uh, you carried me last year.
0: <laughs> well, the, the the Rams also uh, locked down Brandon Cooks to a let's see. They locked down Brandon Cooks to a 5-year, 81 million dollar contract with over 50 million dollars guaranteed. So, when you consider a, you know, a, a big 3 of football, you think back to the the uh Cowboys of uh Smith, Aikman, and, and and Irving. I mean, you have Goff, Cooks, who Cooks may be one of the most underrated receivers in all of football. Uh, and I'm I'm a big Saints fan. I could talk for hours about Brandon Cooks. Um Still a little bit upset about losing him, but he became upset with his role in the Saints' offense. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now, but you've got Goff, Brandon Cooks, and Todd Gurley for your future big three of the Los Angeles Rams, and it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that, in, in my opinion. Uh, if you're going to include you know those three position players quarterback, receiver, running back, especially having those guys secured for for years now. I'm not quite sure uh when Jared Goff will get paid, but for all intents and purposes, we've got no reason to believe that the Rams aren't committed to Goff long-term and that he's not going to be a Ram for his career. You know, of course anything can happen, but all we know is what we know, right? So, assuming Goff gets paid and stays, that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good trio the Rams have got offensively.
1: I mean, I agree. So, I Me, as a Pats fan, I was sad to see Mr. Cooks go. Um, so, because he was definitely a, a down-the-field threat that we needed, um, you know, within our offense. So, for us to just kind of trade him away, that was a, a big bummer uh, on that end. And so, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, he's definitely one of the most underrated people, and him and now Gurley, you know, that's a solid offensive, uh, you know, set that they got, and so, you know, for me, Rams, they're probably, whew, they are looking good, so if they can somehow everyone stay healthy and, you know, deal with all the personalities on that team, hey, winning solves a lot, so as long as they're winning, I think, uh, you know, they're definitely going to make a run and make things interesting next year.
0: So, while we're sitting here, uh, you know, happy for Todd Gurley and intrigued as, as football fans, for the Rams' future, Um, one person who is probably not happy at the moment is Mr. Le'Veon Bell. What are the Steelers going to do about Le'Veon Bell? they got to pay the man.
1: And I think – so if you look at everything, you know, with Gurley, um, you know, with this extension plus, you know, his other contracts, you know, the Rams got him under contract for six years. It's seventy one point nine five million, which is about twelve million per year over the next six years. Um and you know, Le'Veon wanted about seventeen million per season. Um and I think he's worth it. I, you know, to me it's kinda like huh, I that's one A and one B. Um, two different players, two different sets of skill sets, but um I think Le'Veon Bell is a more – is someone who would be harder to replace than Gurley um, if and when he does leave Pittsburgh. Um, to whereas you can kind of go find a big physical bruising back. You can't find someone with the speed of Gurley, but uh, you can find someone with his power, which, you know, kind of combined with his speed makes him a threat. But, uh, you know. That's neither here nor there. Not getting into that, but you know, I, I think the Steelers—they they should have paid the man. Um, you know, they offered him a five-year, seventy million, but it was only ten million guaranteed. Um, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's cheap. You know, that's that's highway robbery for a player of uh, Le'Veon Bell's skill set. Uh, and so, I completely, completely agree with Le'Veon of not signing that not taking that. Hey, take the franchise tag and say, all right, cool, I'm gone. Uh, and, uh, man, we got a spot for you in New England, bro.
0: Take James Harrison out. <laughs> hey, hey if, uh, if Le'Veon Bell were to play a full 16-game season, I would not be surprised to see him in the MVP running. Uh, he he is as important to the Pittsburgh Steelers as any any running back is to their respective team in the NFL. Any offensive player, for that matter, is to their respective team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we would both agree that uh, one thing that sets Le'Veon apart from other running backs is how well he catches the football out of the backfield, and that's definitely a strength of Todd Gurley's as well. Uh, Just as uh, Captain Kirk set the market trend for uh, quarterback contracts, it seems like so too has Todd Gurley with running back contracts. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens going forward, and Pittsburgh Balls in your court. Uh, another contract issue going on, which makes me, uh, you know, makes me a little happy because I strongly dislike this team. Uh, but I will reserve most biases on this show. Is that of Julio Jones? What, what's what's the report out of Atlanta on Julio Jones? So Julio
1: is not reporting to camp uh, until he gets, you know, his money. And basically, which is the weird part for me, is that in 2015 he signed a five-year 71.25 million extension, um, which included 47 in guaranteed money, which is about 14.25 million per year of his contract, um, which is, you know, basically Antonio Brown. Jarvis Landry, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, and Brandon Cooks all make more money than him. And Julio feels, obviously, probably other than A.B., um, you know, he's a better receiving threat than all of those guys. And, you know, I don't blame him. So Julio says, pay me. Um, and until then, you know, and I feel at this point, you know, Julio's got to, you got to be willing to take that, um, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, take that take the fines, uh sit out some games. Hey, pull up Emmett Smith, you know, sit out two games, let them see what they are without you, and then it's kinda like, all right, cool, uh come back, uh we'll waive everything. Here's your money and uh just please, please go get us some touchdowns and yards and
0: uh, we need you. <laughs> so <clears throat> what's really intriguing about this situation is the Falcons drafted Calvin Ridley, who is also from the same school as Julio Jones, or shall I call Roll him by five. his government name? Shall I call him by his government name of Quintoris Lopez Jones? For those of you who didn't know, Quintoris Lopez Jones. But we'll we'll, we'll refer to him as Julio. If that's what he wants. No problem. But they're the, drafting Calvin Ridley is a very interesting. Uh, wrench in this whole situation. Um, and as far as the Falcons seeing what they have without him, Julio Jones does have an a injury-riddled track record, and um, you obviously can't knock the guy's talent. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Top three, for sure. But when the Falcons have had to play without him, it's more or less been business as usual. I, I, I hate to say it. That's a That's a very... That's a very good offensive system they, they've had there. Uh, we're not going to get into my opinions of Matt Ryan. Um, but Julio Jones has also been a little bit touchdown void over his career. I mean, last year only three touchdowns. The year before only six touchdowns. Uh, I'm sure that drives his fantasy football owners mad. Um, but the, just just wanted to name a, you know a few factors that are in the favor of the Atlanta Falcons rather than Quintoris Lopez Jones himself. What do you see, or what's your opinion of Calvin Ridley and Julio's injury history and the impact on contract negotiations going forward? Does that make a big difference or not?
1: So, you know, I would say this. I don't think his injury history uh, is truly that bad. Um, as people make it out to be so 2011 played 13 games 2012 16 games 2013 five games 14 15 15 16 16 14 17 16 so I mean you've you know played a fair amount of games in uh, all of those seasons minus, you know, 2013 in his, you know, rookie year, he still reached over a 1,000 yards uh, with all that being in, you know. So, to me, it's kind of like, pay the man. Okay, cool, he hasn't scored touchdowns, but then you look at it. I mean, when he's the obvious threat, what do you kind of expect? Like, you know, if there's one guy you got to guard, kind of, um, you know, in the red zone who, you know, kind of hard to miss him, right? Um, so, you know, to me, you know, I don't think his touchdown production, you know, is, you know, primarily his fault when he's been their only passing option um, of any true threat. Uh, I think Calvin Ridley is a great addition to them, but I also don't think Calvin Ridley is going to be on the same caliber that Julio. Um You know, I, I like Calvin Ridley. I was a big fan of him. I um, Alabama, but you're just not going to find someone with Julio's size, his strength, um, you know, and his skill set, you know, very much. You know, that's why he's top three. Uh, you know, him, AB, and OBJ kind of all in the league of their own, uh, when it comes to top talent at the wide opposition. So, um, you know, I if I'm the Falcons, I kind of understand their standpoint of, like, hey, we just paid you just because the market changed. It don't mean we need to pay you again. Um, but also with Julio, man, hey, secure that bag and just, you know, be sure and be ready to take those fines to prove your point um, that you willing to sit out and call their bluff and, uh, you know,
0: then get your money home and ball out. Two, two, <laughs> two closing comments on this before we move on to to a couple, couple more points. I believe we have a little bit of boxing talk Um, when the Atlanta Falcons get into the red zone uh, they have such a dynamic dual running back threat that the the red zone production weighs pretty heavily with the two backs they have Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman so I so I do think the lack of red zone production and lack of touchdowns of Julio Jones is more a product of the Falcons' scheme than, of course, Julio himself. I mean, the, the, the guy is the guy's a phenomenal receiver. Um, and please refer to him as Quintoris Lopez going forward. I would appreciate that. And you mentioned this top tier of receivers. Look out for a young man that's on his way to joining that top tier. Mr. Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints, formerly of the Ohio State Buckeyes and the nephew of the former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson. Moving forward, Kevin Love got paid. People like I, I, man, I, I wish I could just renegotiate my 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 salary, uh, but that's not something that Love did. He just got a good old extension. You have some details on Love's contract.
1: Uh it still sucks like he does. No, he
0: got paid. So I think he
1: got <laughs> 4150000 mil. Um, 120
0: 120
1: so show, 4 mil
0: 120 Yeah 4 4 mil 120 um but hey, that, that, that that brings is uh uh so 4 years 120 um which i would assume supersedes uh his 5 year 145 million dollar deal um uh, so there you go 4 years 120 for Kevin Love but yeah well, what what uh, is is cleveland is cleveland is is a is this a good move by by the Cavs? Bad move by the Cavs? Let's let's keep this one let's keep this one simple because I think our listeners know how we both feel about Mr. Kevin Love. Um, so I think it's a good move because you keep
1: um someone who people you know respect and kind of want to play with, so you kind of keep a piece there, right? Um. You know, you keep something intact, you don't completely implode your roster and, you know, maybe hope that you can lower someone free agency or move some of the younger pieces and and land, you know, a a solid kind of, um, you know, complimentary player to a Kevin Love. Um, And so I think it's a good move. Um, You know, keep that team intact, pay the man, um, because he deserves it. He's put up with a lot since he's been there. And, uh, you know, kind of see if you can't you know use that as you know a building tool um, to kind of you know build for the future um, and see what happens
0: yeah I, I, I agree you can't completely implode that roster um, and Kevin Love has put up with a lot, but he he is someone who does have an extensive injury history so um, you know it's not a it's not a crazy long commitment it's it's four years. And Kevin Love is 29 years old, so you're looking at you know, him being 33, 34 by the end of this. Uh, but his uh, his injury history does does concern me. Uh, but I mean, it, it, we're getting to a point in the NBA, at least for the for the short term future, where you, know, you, you just you just got to keep solid rosters. You have to you have to stay competitive because it's Golden State, Boston and everyone else, Uh, you know, you can throw a Philly in there. We can throw some other teams in there, Oklahoma city, but let's, let's be real. It's, it's golden state in the West, Boston in the East and everyone else. So just, you just gotta, you just gotta keep solid rosters. You gotta keep the team intact. You gotta, you gotta add pieces. You have to stay competitive because it's, it's what's going to make it's what's going to make the, what's going to make the NBA watchable. Um uh, Kevin Love is someone that uh in my opinion has underachieved in Cleveland. Very solid player, but you know, I, I think I think he's he's got a lot of a uh, lot of untapped potential. If he can somehow get back to his days in, in Minnesota when he was, in my opinion, an MVP candidate. You know, I don't know if we can expect that from him at this stage of his career. But he isn't even thirty years old, so why can't we? You know, maybe getting, maybe him getting paid will bring bring the best Kevin Love out of Kevin Love himself. Uh, but he's he's definitely someone who's been a little bit disappointing to me as a as a basketball fan. Uh, but yeah, good move by Cleveland, C- keep him around for four years. You know, definitely someone that you can build around uh, if he plays to his full potential. What's Kawhi doing, man? Three. What is, what, what is Kawhi doing? Let, 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 let's, 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 get, let, let's painfully get through a little bit of Kawhi talk before we talk some, some boxing. What is this guy doing? Come on. Ignoring David, the Admiral Robinson's attempts to reaching out. Does is, is, is Kawhi talk to anybody? I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the memes. I've seen the, the, the satirical videos, uh, et cetera, about, about Kawhi. I know. I believe you posted one in our on our run the point Facebook page. Uh, But come on, man. Let me get a Chris Carter. Come on, man. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's my thing. Was
1: kind of like, you can't be mad because I mean, even David Robinson joked about it. Was like, has Kawhi talked to anyone? I mean, it wouldn't. It would be different if, you know, he took a a call from Tim Duncan. He took a, a call from. Tony Parker, um, Manu, you know, maybe a Sean Elliott. Um, But he hadn't talked to anybody, so it was kind of like you can't really be mad at him because it's like he, you know, he didn't talk to anyone. And it's kind of like, you know, like you said, like all the memes and everything, it's like, oh, wait, wait, Kawhi's talking. It's a miracle. Like, (laughs) you know. And actually, the funny part is, you you think about it, and there's no disrespect, and I I mean this with the utmost respect, because Toronto is actually one of the places uh, on my near bucket list within the next year or two I hope to, you know, go visit. But kind of the most places, you know, be the most off-the-market, kind of hidden, you know, glorified superstar is Toronto. Like, you know... (laughs) when you think about it, like, you know, that's a place where you can just kind of go off the map and hide, you know, when it comes to sports, you know, they're not a big sports town. Uh, when it comes to, you know, basketball or, or that, I mean, the fans and everyone else there are loyal. I'm just saying, you know, the market uh, when it comes, you know, they're not a big market, like a, like a Lakers, like a Yankees, like a, a Dallas Cowboys. So it kind of fits Hawaii perfectly. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> hope you gotta meet hope. It's gonna be cold.
0: <laughs> oh man. But isn't this the quintessential San Antonio Spurs Greg Popovich move? Like, all right, you don't wanna you don't wanna play with us? You don't wanna play for us? You don't wanna talk to us? We're just gonna ship you out of the country. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> oh. But it's, what what a what a interesting character Kawhi seems to be uh, I mean just, just To kind of stay in the shadows Amidst all this That's been going on in the offseason And what went on during the regular Season um, for, for us just to not even hear Anything from him directly uh, It's 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 Very odd especially in, in today's day and age with Social media and sports Media and the round the clock Coverage that we have Um uh, but as you said, if there's one place they're going to run and hide, Canada is a good place to do it.
1: <laughs> hey, free now we, healthcare. Got, we got
0: some... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was saying you get free healthcare in Canada, so enjoy it.
0: Free healthcare in Canada. Uh, so I... I don't know if we if we were uh, scheduled to have some some uh, boxing talk, um, but we don't we don't seem to have our uh, boxing expert on the line here. Yeah, so I think um, we'll
1: have to get them on next week and give us uh, our box- boxing update. That we haven't had in a while, and let us know what's going on in the world of
0: boxing. Well, with that said, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Run the Point. Um, hey, we 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 kind of, well, we kind of talked a lot about about contracts. I mean, I I <laughs> I wanna I, I want I think I might wanna go down to Atlantic City and and, and you know try try my luck on. Yeah, you know, on on some roulette or some poker, I wanna I wanna up uh, my bank account, man. This has got me this got me thinking about money.
1: Hey, I'm about to go ask My boss for a raise tomorrow. Hey.
0: Oh why man, he? oh man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you so time, thanks no. for listening. To, <laughs>
1: hey, I'm trying to get a quarter. At me, uh.
0: <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> hopefully this time next week, uh, Aaron will have a raise and I will have hit the jackpot <laughs> in Texas Hold'em poker. But until then. We out. Peace. Peace.